Why did all the other dragons fly away, Tatzel? asked Jonathan. It was because of all those horrible films and shows about dragons you humans keep making, eating people, burning down houses. It's not nice. You make us look like monsters, and we've seen this before. We know where it will lead. People will start hunting us again. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to you wherever you are in the world. My name's James Schofield, and I'm the writer of the stories in this podcast, Behind the Bottom Line. In each episode, I read you one of my stories, which was printed in different magazines over the past few years, and then I tell you something about the real-life background. Now, do you like reality TV shows? Well, yes or no? I hope you enjoy today's story, The Greatest Reality Show on Earth. The words, If you call the police, I will turn this car into a pile of molten metal with you in the middle of it, were not what Jonathan Hastings expected to hear from a dragon when he opened the boot of his car to take out a picnic basket. Jonathan carefully shut the boot and got back into the front seat of the car next to his wife Susan. They had just arrived in France for their holiday. Are you all right? asked Susan. You've gone pale. Tatzel is in the boot. She says she'll blow us up if we call the police. She can talk? Apparently and open picnic baskets. There was potato salad down her front. Oh, for goodness sake! Susan went round to the boot and opened it again. Yes, said Tatzel. Tatzel, what are you doing here? asked Susan. And why did you never tell us you could talk? Ha! said the dragon. There's so much you people don't know about us. The basic facts that everybody knew were that eleven dragons had suddenly appeared out of a clear blue sky one day in northern Wales in the late 1930s, landing on a small farm where they immediately ate the farmer's sheep. The farmer called in the military, which caught and transferred them all to a nearby army base for investigation. They looked very like the dragons everybody knew from paintings, but there were one or two surprises. For example, they were only the size of a large poodle, and although they could breathe fire, they would use it only for cooking. They were peaceful creatures, which disappointed the generals who'd hoped to use them for military purposes in the war that started shortly after their arrival. Also, tests showed they were at least a thousand years old and seemed to have no intention of dying any time soon, which disappointed the scientists who wanted to have a look inside them. After the war, they were transferred to a zoo, and some years later, Susan and Jonathan became their keepers. They were not difficult to look after, and were happy to sleep, barbecue sheep, 
and go for short flights around the area to entertain the zoo's visitors. They liked watching television, particularly nature documentaries and cooking programs. However, trouble began when the new zoo director, Harvey Krilge, allowed film and television producers to use the dragons in their productions. It made the zoo a lot of money, but the animals were upset when Jonathan and Susan showed them the finished films. One day, as suddenly as they had appeared, they all flew away, except for Tatzel, who had hurt one of her wings a few days earlier. Enormous rewards were offered for their recapture, but they had disappeared without trace. And now the zoo's last dragon was trying to escape too. Jonathan got out picnic chairs for himself and Susan, and they sat down to discuss the situation with her. Why did all the other dragons fly away, Tatzel? asked Jonathan. Oh, it was because of all those horrible films and shows about dragons you humans keep making, eating people, burning down houses. It's not nice. You make us look like monsters, and we've seen this before. We know where it will lead. People will start hunting us again. What do you mean, again? You know all those stories about knights killing dragons in King Arthur's time, don't you? Nasty men they were. Just gangsters with swords trying to steal treasure that we were protecting. Protecting? I thought you liked to steal and sleep on piles of treasure, said Susan. You see, that's exactly what I mean. That's all wrong. Before there were banks, people asked us to take care of their valuables. We were happy to do this in exchange for a sheep or two. But then those knights turned up and tried to steal it. We did our best to stop them, but they kept coming back with bigger and bigger weapons. And the lies! St George, for example, pretending to rescue a princess. The poor girl was just having a cup of tea with her favourite dragon. And Siegfried, he was the monster, not Fafnir. But why did you all come to Wales? asked Jonathan. Well, in the 1930s, we saw that war was coming. So we got together from all over Europe and flew somewhere safe. The Welsh have always liked dragons. Why didn't you tell us this before? We never needed to, until Mr. Krilge arrived. And then we couldn't, because if he'd known we could talk, he'd have forced us to go on chat shows as well as make films. He might even have sold one of us to the Kardashians. Jonathan and Susan looked at each other. There had actually been an inquiry along those lines. So... What do you want to do now? asked Susan. Go home. To the mountains near Kufstein in Austria. There's a waterfall near a little village called... So they slowly drove Tatzel 
back to the place she'd been born some thousand years before. On a cool November evening, when no one was about, they left the car and walked the last few kilometres through the woods. Tatzel was excited, skipping and making little jumps in the air to see if her wing was better yet. They finally reached the waterfall, and, in the rock wall, they could see a small entrance to a cave, partly hidden by bushes. Here it is! Thank you! Thank you! she said, and without another word, she was gone. The leaves of the bush shook slightly as she re-entered her home. They stared after her for a while, then walked slowly back down the path. I feel terrible, said Susan, wiping away tears. What choice did we have, Susan? said Jonathan. With all the dragons gone, we didn't have a job any more, and we're too old to try working with other animals like elephants or lions. Waiting by their car was a group of people, and as they approached there was a small round of applause. Congratulations, guys! cried Harvey Krilge. Great job! We managed to get the whole area and her cave fixed up with cameras before you arrived. If anything moves here, we'll see it. The greatest reality show on Earth is about to begin. The greatest reality show on Earth was originally called Sad Reality and was written for Business Spotlight in 2016. And what you can see here is that I have a definite fondness for dragons. And this started when I was quite little with The Hobbit, of course, where the dragon Smog, uh is, for me, the star of the show. And in Game of Thrones, for me, the best episodes were definitely the ones with lots of dragons in them. Um, and I even included uh, dragons or a reference to dragons in my unpublished novel, Face on a Passing Train where I had my art restorer, Celia, uncovering part of a mysterious 15th, 16th century panel in which there's an illustration of a Bible story or a, a, a Jesus story from the Apocrypha, which is basically a collection of fairy tales which were very popular in the early days of the Catholic Church. Uh, and in, in this particular Bible story, it's on when Jesus and Joseph and Mary are fleeing to Egypt, are traveling to Egypt. And at one point, they're confronted by some dragons uh, in the wilderness. And everybody else in the party is terrified, uh, except for Jesus. And the dragons recognize that Jesus is the Son of God, and they allow the party to shelter in their caves. So I've always had a fondness for dragons. And uh, I like the idea of writing a short story with dragons in them. And I've always suspected that dragons were severely misrepresented in the mythology. Now, of course, as we all know, history is written by the winners. Um, Churchill was not only an inspiring leader, but he was also uh, a racist and uh, fairly murderous associated with uh, the introduction of the Black and Tans paramilitary group in Ireland in the 1920s. 
and he was also in favour of gassing Kurds and Afghans. So if Churchill had ended up on the losing side, I think we would have a very different picture of him. And I suspect it's the same with dragons. I'm not at all sure that the Knights of the Round Table were quite as chivalrous as the myths would have us believe. And I like the idea that, in fact, that dragons were used as an early form of safety deposit boxes. And you can probably guess from the tone of the story that I don't really like reality TV shows. I think they often seem to focus on the worst aspects of human nature. The production companies love them because they're cheap. They manipulate the people on the show to behave in the worst possible way. Uh, and then we all sit around and laugh at them, which I don't think is very nice. One of my sons actually participated in a reality TV show. I mean, he got paid for it. And it was very interesting what he related about how the producers manipulate the characters in it. In this particular show that he was on, uh, it was called The Hard School, and it took contemporary children and put them into a boarding school system from the 50s. So that the teachers and the classes and the clothing and everything was in the 50s. The children had no access to any modern gadgets that they might be familiar with. And then they filled them for about a month to see how they reacted. He quickly had a little group of friends with whom he could interact. But it was how the producers deliberately looked for the children who were peculiar in some way or other in order to focus on them and artificially created a romance while at the same time ignoring, I think, many of the more interesting features of how the children banded together in order to deal with and uh, to a certain extent exploit this peculiar system that they had been put into, which is, I think, a shame because it was actually quite an interesting example of how a little resistance movement can grow up in an oppressive regime. And instead, the producers simply focused on this uh, feeble romance story that they wanted to create between one of the boys and one of the girls, which was entirely fake. So reality TV show has absolutely zero connection to reality from what I can see. And I think it's a shame that they're so popular because they corrupt ordinary people and encourage them to do bad things for the sake of the camera. I'm also very interested in the question of corruption. We see it with Jonathan and Susan. These are ordinary, quite good people who are forced really by an existential crisis to do something that they know is wrong, namely inform Harvey Krilge that they have Tatzel in the back of their car and that they're taking him down to Kufstein. And with questions of corruption, I've always had a little bit the feeling of there but for the grace of God go I. I'm lucky that I've never had to face a severe moral crisis. I like to think that I would behave properly if I was Jonathan and Susan, but I don't know that I would. And I can understand the dilemma that they faced, so I'm not swift to condemn their behaviour. Finally, the name Tatzelwurm actually comes from a waterfall in southern Germany called the Tatzelwurm. And I encountered it 
at a very beautiful conference hotel where I was taking part in a workshop in southern Germany, just near the Alps. And near to the hotel was this really spectacular waterfall. And when you went outside, uh, when you were about 100 meters away, you could hear the water crashing down onto the rocks below and uh, spray coming up. So it almost looked like steam. And and there is actually a legend in many Alpine areas about a kind of mini dragon called a Tatzel Wurm. And Tatzel it means claw and Wurm is like worm. And there are these legends from France, there are these legends from northern Italy, there are these legends from Austria and uh, and Bavaria as well about this mythical mini dragon that was there. And so in southern Bavaria, this legend is something like 750 years old. And this the Tatzel worm was supposed to eat pilgrims traveling down from Germany to Rome. And so that was the origin of Tatzel worm. So that's the end of today's episode, and I hope you did enjoy the story and learning a little bit about its background. If you did, it would be great if you could put a review on my website. Go to www.behindthebottomline.com and you can leave a rating or a comment or a review. You can also do that on Apple Podcasts if you like, and I'd love to hear what you have to say. In next week's episode, we will be following Paddy Porter, a public relations manager, as he tries to take over God's PR department in Heaven PLC. So until next week, this is James Schofield saying take care and goodbye.